To be or to do? Join George Belsky and I as we discuss the great military strategist John Boyd and his observation of what confronts aspiring leaders as they advance in their careers. It's as simple as to be or to do. John Boyd is one of those unsung heroes in American history. Considered the grandfather of maneuver warfare, he's mentored many young leaders either in person when he worked at the Pentagon or through his teachings. He would often let these students know that as they advanced in their careers, they would inevitably find themselves at a crossroads, a fork in a road. Now to the left was we'll call the to-be lane. It was there for those seeking high achievement, status, importance, rank. And to the right would be the path we'll call the to-do, reserved for those that wanted to quietly get things done, leave an impact, and not worry about the credit. To-be or to-do, achievement or impact. George Boyd recognized that when credit becomes that guiding factor, you as a leader, your leadership is at risk. And that kind of reminds me of Truman's quote that it's amazing how much you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. And I think I've heard you say that a few times. So my question for you tonight, is it wrong to take the to-be path? And if so, how could aspiring leaders protect themselves from that or how could their mentors keep them on the to-do path so what say you wow that's a great question uh and i and i think it would take us uh more than we're going to spend tonight to talk about that because there's some there's some great elements to that um i think boyd is a um has to be looked at in the context of the military that he was serving in, right? So uh, we know that Boyd um, joins the Air Force, enlists in the Air Force, uh, winds up teaching at the Air Force uh, fighter pilot school uh, to teach air-to-air uh, -air combat or dogfighting, and and that's where he initially develops that that OODA loop that everybody knows: observe, orient, OODA decide, loop. act. And then, uh, you know, he progresses out through his career, but he's in the service all during the, the Vietnam War and then what happens to the military after uh, the Vietnam War. It's decimated, morale is low, and he becomes part of the, the officers that help rebuild uh, the military in the 80s. And so I think his uh, to be or to do really touches at the heart of uh, what I'm going to call officership for the military in that, you know, you can be a professional military officer, a professional soldier, uh, airman, uh, marine, uh, sailor, or officers of, of those branches, or you can be a careerist. Now, the professional is going to do the job. Uh, it's not that they're not going to seek promotion, 
but their their ends are or purpose is to make the organization the military branch that they serve better mm -hmm. to make uh soldiers uh and their service members better how do we build those folks to build the next generation of leaders and that's the professional it's not that they shun rank but it doesn't become the goal right. whereas the careerist is that um person that seeks the the great schools the right assignments uh but they're not necessarily doing it for the betterment of the service they're doing it for the betterment of themselves how do how do they gain power how do they gain influence and and there was a lot of that in uh the vietnam era and in a post-vietnam era and i think that's what boyd is talking about when when he says hey you you can go down the road where you're going to get all the right schools all the right assignments you may have to compromise uh some of your standards, mm -hmm. some of your ethics to fit in and and be the and and be the company uh, man, if you will, or you can make the impact and stand by your standards, stand by um, your values and ethics, and you probably won't get as high in the corporation. And I think that's why he makes that uh, makes that distinction. As far as what I would tell young aspiring leaders is, again, understand what you're getting what you're getting into. Now, you and I both rose, you know, pretty high in our corporations, right? You as a deputy superintendent, me as a, a, a special agent in charge, a member of the senior executive service. You know, I would like to think that I did that for. The, the right reasons. It, it wasn't so I could pat myself on the back and say, hey, look at me, but I had the opportunity to make things better for the people I worked for, both above and below me in the chain of command, those people I worked with, both inside and outside the organization, and maybe I left, you know, every office I was in a little bit better um, when I moved on that's that's i think that distinction so you can you're not necessarily chasing the promotion but if it comes to you and and you're the right person for the job i think that i think you have a duty to use your talents uh the best way you can i i, I agree um how do you protect folks from going down that that other lane and, and i say that because i think organizationally Maybe the agency has a duty to its folks to sort of reward those mission-oriented personnel. As you described in the military, there was the careerist and the professional. So back in, the, in that Vietnam era, did the government look to reward those professionals? I, I think they did. I think when... when uh... They set about, and I was a junior officer at this time. I got, you know, I commissioned in 1984. And so the Army was in that build back stage. The military was in that build back stage. And, and of course, my small corner of the universe was, uh, was in the 
was in the army. So what we saw were officers who were mid-grade and up, uh, lieutenant colonels commanding battalions, colonels commanding brigades, uh, division commanders, and, and those at, at the staff levels that were designing how the Army was going to look. Mm -hmm. They looked and saw what they thought was missing from the Army at the height of the Vietnam War, where you know people were taking punching tickets. You would do this assignment, punch a ticket, now you could get looked at to get promoted to the next rank or to the next school or to the next assignment. And those officers that the ones that I worked for were adamant about developing that professionalism. Hey, you go where you go, you do the best that you can do, and that's all you can really hope for. Uh, and, and I, and I, you know, I felt that sense from the the battalion commanders and the brigade commanders that I served under. And when I was at the infantry school, uh, the senior officers that I associated with and, and learned from there all believe that they saw that the importance was developing that professional. It's not that you would turn down a promotion, but right. you weren't chasing it. That wasn't the be all end all, which is tough because among officers there was that progression you know you got you know you got three chances to make the next promotion when you're when your time is due in that window and then it's it's up or out so you have to balance that keep promoting uh keep developing versus chasing it and that now, that can be a hard thing to balance so i i've often been told that of the many differences between, say, law enforcement and the military, the military has that professional ethic that we don't necessarily see as a standard in law enforcement. And I'm generally speaking here. Um, does that sort of help this challenge here? I think it has its good points and it has its bad points. You know, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the culture of the agency. Right. We, we talk about there's a culture in the military, but then, you know, there's all those subcultures within it. Right. And and we can do the the the, the stereotypes. Right. Um, there's only two branches in the army, infantry and infantry support. <laughs> and, and everybody knows that. And, and I say that as an infantryman, but there it all depends. And I, I saw organizations uh, throughout the country that had a really uh, solid guardian ethos uh, in surrounded, you know, or that uh, enveloped itself in this service to the organization, service to the public, um, and service to the profession. But you also saw uh, agencies that didn't have that same ethos. So it's going to depend on the agency. It's going to depend on the leadership how that goes uh, you can have as professional an organization as as you can make as a as a leader wow you know george i i will tell you that uh in my final years with the state police i was fortunate enough uh at the tail end of basic training for the for the recruits within the last week or two to 
to be able to go in and, and, and speak about you know, what to expect from, from my perspective, particularly running the investigations branch. But I would, uh, I would often borrow from Boyd and, and I would do it. And it's interesting as I listen to you talk about service to the organization where I, I would sort of set that up as, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit that crossroads when you walk across that stage. Do you want to be trooper or do trooper? And <clears throat> I think what you've given me tonight is clarity that doing trooper, doing leader has everything to do with the organization and carrying out the goals and objectives of the organization as opposed to just being is really self-centered. Yeah, I, I I think that's what Boyd talks about. Um, I think Boyd looks at that and says, what's, what's the drive? What's the purpose? Is it, what can I put on my I love me wall when I'm done? Or is it more, who have I pulled with me uh, and, and prepared for them? Did I leave the place better than when I found it? And I, I think uh, that's what he's talking about. Because honestly, you know, we need good people to promote. We, we have to have that. Um, if you don't, you're left with the folks who are only seeking, seeking uh, promotion for promotion's sake. And you know what that does to an organization. So we have to, we have to uh, develop that, that sense of uh, duty to the organization, but also a duty to themselves too. Hmm. Um, to, to promote up when it's right for them. Well, I, I know you like to read, so I'm going to add another one to your list. And I, 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 we've already talked about it in Green Room, but uh, Boyd's book. Yeah. Uh, the Fighter Pilot Who Changed the Art of War. Uh, well worth reading it because it gives some additional context to what he was thinking when he was advocating that guidance to his... Uh, Acolytes, and and I'm gonna add this one to yours, <laughs> and you can see, yeah. <laughs> you can see, <laughs> uh, once an eagle because I, I think it, I think it, uh, and as we talked about in the green room, I think it parallels that quote by Boyd. You know, mm. be or do. Um, the two, the the two main characters, Sam Damon and Courtney Massingale, uh, they are the beer, and they are. Sure the doer you know uh, again in the military that post uh vietnam era was called uh the careerist versus the professional and i've got quotes from senior leaders at the time some even uh rose up to be chief of staff of the army and they would say be a sam damon mm -hmm. and that, that was the watchword be a sam damon and there was a reason this was on the army war college reading list um, even though it's an anti-war book when you read it it's very very interesting yeah wow you gotta give me one with the cliff notes that thing looks pretty heavy it is it, it is an audio book oh you're kidding somebody somebody just told me that uh, it's an audio book so you may be able to scrounge that up wow George can't thank you enough 
uh, to be or to do. Thank you for your insight. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to our next one. I am as well, Ray. Thanks. Well, you be safe. You as well.